Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that you would love us so much, that you would love humanity so much, that you would send your son, Jesus, to live among us, to dwell among us, that Jesus, that you would live perfect heaven to come to the imperfect world so that you could restore fallen humanity to the love of God our Father. These short describing character qualities that we've been talking about these weeks leading up to Christmas, so concise and also saying so much Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to fulfill this promise. And it's in that name that we pray today and everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you. Well, Many of you have been uh, stopping me uh, between services today with messages like, uh, please tell your wife, Jennifer, thank you for her leadership of the Christmas musical. And so I don't forget in front of you, the witnesses, I'm telling Jennifer, there are many who have shared today, thank you for your leadership of the Christmas musical last week with the kids. Um, there, there was so many uh, messages and emails this week and people uh, stopping to say something to me that I became distressed that you're going to be disappointed this week because you're going to have to settle for my preaching. I actually asked Jennifer if we could put together a new kids Christmas musical for this week and there just wasn't time. <laughs> so thank you, Jennifer, well done. As we get into the word today, it may sound at the beginning a little bit like a Father's Day message, but it is a Christmas message. A counselor in the United Kingdom wrote about sessions several years ago with a teenage girl who was 15 years old at the time the counselor names her as Lisa. And in a, a heart, it's a heartbreaking story. Lisa's dad left when she was just three years old. He moved to Spain, leaving his wife to be with another woman, and the dad married the woman in Spain, and they would go on to have a son together. As all this is unfolding, the dad would come back to England once or twice a year. Lisa and her dad would get together. But when they would get together, Lisa says she knew that her dad wasn't paying attention to her because he was always looking at his phone. And so she told the counselor, I wonder why doesn't my dad ever ask me about what I'm doing? 
Does he love me? Does he think about me when he's not with me? Does he care about me? Or am I just a reminder of a failed past relationship? And here's what the counselor writes. I, it's profound. A girl's need for a father never goes away despite the most painful setbacks. A girl's need for a father never goes away despite the most painful setbacks. Now we come from all different backgrounds here. Maybe you're here today and your story would be that you come from a good, loving parent relationship. Maybe you've walked a tough parenting relationship or maybe there was absence in a parenting relationship. Maybe you're a parent today and you have adult children and you're thinking back about how it was when the kids were with you in your house. Or maybe you're parenting now and you're like Jennifer and I, just trying to figure it out. And just when you think you've got this season figured out, they're like a month older and it's a whole new set of challenges. Our kids right now are age, ages 11, eight, six, and three. And even I feel like that's a test. How old are your kids? Let me think about it for a second. Jennifer and I are also deeply grateful for our parents, Jennifer's parents in Wisconsin and my parents in Michigan who watch with us almost every week on peopleschurch.com. As we're parenting now, we've had uh, many other parents tell us that a reason that they've come to church or that they've come back to church is because of their kids. Maybe this is your story. You've come because of your kids, that you have rejoined or joined for the first time a faith community because you want to provide a stability, a faith foundation, and you've brought your kids back to church, your sons and daughters, so that they, that can be part of their childhood. What is the reality for Lisa is a reality really for all. The need for a father never goes away despite the most painful setbacks. There is something in the way that we are wired to long for a parent relationship. Some of you would even say that as you look at your own relationship with moms and dads, that you have overlooked, you've put up with, you've forgiven, you've looked past flaws, faults, disappointments, and hurts just so that you can continue a relationship with a parent. There's part of us, uh, maybe this is your story, that there's part of you that you think, man, it's just so much pain and ups and downs. Maybe I should just walk away, but you just can't walk away. There's something in you that says keep going after that parent relationship. And when you think about it, we have relationships in our life with teachers, with coworkers, with friends, with others. And it's like they're, they're good for the time, but if we go without them, it's not like we long for them in the way that we long for a parent relationship. There's something about that we are wired to long for, to desire a parenting relationship. And so let me ask you a few questions, and these are questions that are just for us to think about, not to answer out loud. What if we are designed by God for relationship with our dad? What if that's why we feel it so deeply when that relationship is missing or that relationship is unhealthy? We come in with all different life stories today. What if no matter how good or bad our experience is with our human father, what if it's God's plan that human dads are never supposed to fulfill all the desires of our heart for a father? 
And what if just as much or even more than our built-in need for an earthly father, we are also designed to sense that something is deeply missing without relationship with our heavenly father? And as we think about those questions, this is where we rejoin our series, His Name Shall Be Called. His Name Shall Be Called. 800 years before Jesus is born, there's a promise. And it's a dark and distressing time in history in this part of the world. And almost certainly Isaiah would not be aware of how significant or how meaningful his words would be when he speaks into that distress Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. It's it's a promise. It's a promise that to the people who received it then, they could say there's something better than is what than what is happening right now. And my hope is going to be in the promise, not in the present. And we live in a timeline. We live on the timeline of history after this promise has come to pass. Jesus has been born. The the wonderful counselor has been born. The mighty God has been born. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus was born. He lived a perfect life, suffered and died on the cross, and he defeated death through his resurrection. So we are living on that side of the promise and yet we also live in a time of anticipation because Jesus is coming back. And right now, as we look at the world around us, there continues to be culture that is living in opposition to God's ways. And you might say in your personal life, what you have faced this year, maybe what you are facing right now are areas of pain, areas of hurt, challenges, distresses, you feel trapped. Well, here is the good news. It's not the end of the story. We are people of hope and we can live in the hope despite what is happening in the present. With Christ, your hope, our hope is not dictated by the despair of present circumstances or the darkness of a culture embracing sin. We talked about wonderful counselor. So often today we replace the phrase really good with the word wonderful. And wonderful is a much bigger word than that. Uh, wonderful, God, uh, Jesus is more than just really good. He's wonderful, wonderful meaning good or great beyond understanding. So amazing and astonishing, we can't put it into words. Overwhelming. And counselor, counselor is a leader who is worthy of following. And Jesus is the wonderful counselor. We talked about Jesus as mighty God, that humans as we're we're wired to long for supernatural intervention. And Jesus is strength, protection, and rescue that is beyond human ability. The devil, the enemy's work is to keep people out of relationship with their heavenly father and to prevent them from being part of his purposes. Jesus, mighty God, came to destroy the work of the enemy. With prayer, we bring confidence that when we intercede, God has the ability, ability to intervene. We have a confidence that when we intercede in prayer, God has the full capability to intervene in whatever it is that we may be facing. So 
Jesus is wonderful counselor. Jesus is mighty God. We'll talk today about how he is everlasting father and looking to Christmas Eve, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So for the theologians among us, how can Jesus, the son, be the everlasting father? How can Jesus, the son, be the everlasting father? When Isaiah promises the everlasting father and this comes to pass in Jesus, he is not talking about the first person of the Trinity. Jesus is not the Father in the Trinity. Here's what is true. Jesus reveals God the Father. Jesus reveals God the Father. Jesus himself said it this way, John 1:18. no one has seen God at any time. The only son who is at the Father's side has made him known, has made him known. The Son has made the Father known. Jesus reveals the Father. The, his name shall be called titles that Isaiah gives us describe Jesus' character. They describe his character. So when Isaiah, when God gives his promise through Isaiah that one is coming who will be everlasting father. He is expressing Jesus' relationship to time. He is expressing Jesus' relationship to time, not the other members of the Trinity. Some of you, that really was helpful. Others of you may be confused and just want to regroup now. Here's what's important. Isaiah promised that the Messiah would be a fatherly ruler a fatherly ruler. Isaiah does not promise an everlasting tyrant. He promises an everlasting father, a protector, a defender. Now, the first recipient of Isaiah's words was King Ahaz. King Ahaz was the first person who got to hear this promise. At the time, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. Ahaz was the ruler of the southern kingdom called Judah, and Ahaz ruled from Jerusalem. And so it's to King Ahaz that Isaiah says, uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, I don't know what Ahaz's reaction was as he's hearing these things from Isaiah, but if his mind was drifting off for a moment and Isaiah says, there's one who's coming and the government shall be on his shoulder. If you're the king, okay, what? Who's gonna be in charge? And Isaiah says, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Isaiah talks about a child born, a newborn, and then without even taking a breath or a break for a new sentence, he gets us all the way to everlasting father. Now Ahaz was not a good ruler. The consequences of this king's decision would lead to the invasion of foreign armies and the collapse of the kingdom. Ahaz was not a good ruler and he was a terrible father. Let me show you. 2 Kings 16.3. Ahaz walked in the way of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. In this time, in this region, region there was cult worship of the false god Moloch. And this description is awful 
but I think it's important for you to understand what was happening and just how awful King Ahaz was, how depraved his, ma- his mind was. Historians and archaeologists tell us that there were idol statues of Moloch with the body of a man and the head of a bull, often depicted as seated. And this wicked act of worship and some of these idol statues of Moloch, the stomach would be turned into a basin or a cauldron that they would fill with water and they would heat the water to boiling temperatures and they would place living children into the scalding water. Other forms of this statue would have outstretched hands of Moloch like this and the hands were made of bronze. And they would heat the bronze to scalding hot temperatures and they would place children on the hands of the statue. And here's this one who is supposed to be the ruler of the nation. The Bible tells us he even burned his own son as a sacrifice. Wicked cult practices of sacrificing children to please a false god in hopes of receiving some sort of protection or provision. Second Chronicles 28:19 For the Lord humbled Judah because of Ahaz king of Israel for he had made Judah act sinfully and had been very unfaithful to the Lord. So when I, Isaiah tells us who to expect wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace none of these describe Ahaz. Wonderful counselor Ahaz was a terrible leader. He led the nation into moral decline. Ahaz was not mighty and there was no peace. The kingdom was conquered. More than 100,000 people were killed and several others were led off into captivity in a foreign land. Ahaz was a wicked father willing to sacrifice his own children. You would not want Ahaz to be your government leader and you wouldn't want him to be your dad. But that's not how it always was. I want you to look back just two generations in the family line of Ahaz. And this is important because it speaks to what can happen from one generation to the next. So let's look back to Uzziah, who was Ahaz's grandfather, Grandpa Uzziah, also the king. The Bible tells us that Uzziah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Uzziah had the prophet Zechariah in his life, like a pastor in his life. And the Bible tells us that Zechariah instructed Uzziah in the fear of God. So Uzziah sought out pastoral leadership for his life. And as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God gave him success. So Uzziah, Ahaz's grandpa, he sought the Lord and when he pursued God, he experienced God's version of success, which is the best version. Now let's go to the next generation to Ahaz's dad, Jothan. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done. Pause, look at what it says next. But unlike him, unlike Uzziah, his dad, Jothan did not enter the temple of the Lord. The people, however, continued their corrupt practices. 
So something seemingly subtle happens. Uzziah, grandpa, seeks pastoral covering, goes to the temple. Jothan, he does not enter the temple of the Lord. And then look what happens with Ahaz. We've already talked about Ahaz. The Bible says he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but what this sounds a little bit like to me, and for some of you this would be very personal, it sounds to me like what's happened through these three generations, it's like grandma and grandpa lived deeply committed to their faith and their faith community. They lived generously, they lived lovingly, they were deeply involved in their church, never missed a Sunday, sang in the choir, led Royal Rangers. Their Bible, the pages were yellowed and worn out from daily use. Then mom and dad, they were also Christians, but they started to compromise in some areas. And being part of the faith community went from weekly to occasional. Then the third generation, the son, he's worshiping something, but it's not the Lord. And there's this downward path of pain, brokenness, separation. What I want us to capture today is that a heritage of faith is good. And, and some of you, you have given your all to cultivate a heritage of faith for your family. A heritage of faith is good, but we cannot rely on legacy for present closeness with God. We cannot rely, we cannot depend on grandma and grandpa's faith for present closeness with God. Now, on the other side of this, if you're, if you're like, that's not my story at all. In fact, I'm the first person from my family to even come to a church. The good news is that your family's past faith heritage does not have to determine your family's trajectory. It can change with you. In fact, on the other side of Ahaz was his son, Hezekiah, who changed the direction around. As the Bible says, Hezekiah did what was right, honored God, and changed the trajectory of the nation and change the trajectory of his family. And praise God, you have the potential to change the spiritual trajectory of your family for the good and you might even change the spiritual trajectory of a community or a nation. We talk about our nation's founding fathers ancient rulers in this time were often spoken about as fathers of the nation. Like a father, they were looked to to provide protection. Like a father, they were looked to to provide stability so the people could provide for their households. What we also see in the generations of the kings is that culture can change quickly. Culture can change quickly. And this is not just for them then, it's for here and now. Here's an example from far more recent history in the nation of Iran, and the pictures tell the story. If we go back just a few decades ago, in the 1960s, men and women in Iran, medical students at Tehran University, sat and learned side by side. In the 1960s and 1970s, women had the freedom to choose to wear Western-style clothes. And in the 1960s and 1970s, men and women, it was common for them to be in public places, in parks, having picnics together, in restaurants and cafes. 
This is from a report from the BBC. The Islamic Revolution of 1979 brought seismic change to Iran. In the early 1980s, the new Islamic authorities imposed mandatory dress codes that required all women to wear head coverings. A professor of history is quoted as saying, the woman would not be allowed into the same room as the men. This is in public settings or in worship settings. The women would sit in a separate area for prayer away from the men. Now, <laughs> there are complexities and difficulties uh, about what led up to the Islamic revolution in Iran that we don't have time to unpack today. But here's what I do want us to catch. Culture can change very quickly. Right now, we have the freedom to gather and worship like we are doing right now. We cannot take this freedom for granted. There are nations of this world that are longing for the freedom that you and, have, you and I have to do what we are doing right this very moment. Now, people of faith, we cannot be idle and we cannot be silent. As we look at the past, as we look at the kings of Judah ruling from Jerusalem, Uzziah, temporary. Jothan, temporary. Ahaz, temporary. Hezekiah, temporary. What God promised through Isaiah was so much more than a temporary good leader. Isaiah gives this promise from God, one who is, one is coming who will be different and part of what he will be known for, part of what he will be called, his name shall be everlasting father. Not a temporary fatherhood. Earthly kings, rulers, presidents, and governors lead for a short time. This is forever. Now in our homes, those of us who are parents, our leadership over our children in many ways is temporary. Now, yes, we never stop being parents. Many of us thank God for the wisdom of our parents as we live our adult lives today. Yet our role as parents when our children are young is to raise our children so that they can thrive independently. We don't raise our children so they can be dependent on us for the rest of their lives. We raise our children so they can thrive independently. And we raise our children so they will not be dependent on our faith, but that they will own their faith for themselves. Some of you have known the pain of of losing a child. We pray, of course, we pray that our children will outlive us. When that's true, when our sons and daughters outlive us, there will come a time when they no longer have us as earthly parents. When they no longer have us as earthly parents, they will continue to have their everlasting father, Jesus Christ. The promise of Christ as everlasting father points to a child who will become a father. Jesus, Jesus did not have biological children. This is different. Speaking of our relationship with God as followers of Christ, it's the Apostle Paul who quotes the Old Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. Jesus will and does have the character of a good father for those who place their faith in him. Provider, 
protector, one who's concerned, even discipline, care, everlasting, not impacted by time, aging, or death. In parenting, God is, is full and complete. He doesn't need us, yet he loves us so much that he invites us to be part of his purposes. And part of the purposes that he has blessed many of us with is the purpose of earthly parenting. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. Parents, our responsibility is to reveal Jesus to our children. We have everlasting Jesus who desires to lead our lives like a loving father. We need earthly fathers who will lead their families with the love of Jesus. In our world today, in our city today, we need dads to step up. We need earthly fathers to lead their families with the love of Jesus Christ. Okay, can we just like be really like real because fake is exhausting for a minute? Parenting is challenging. We, we are flawed. We are limited. We get upset. We overreact. We can't be everywhere all the time. We get distracted. We run out of energy. We run out of money. Where we are incomplete, Jesus is complete. Where we are incomplete, Jesus is complete. And I think for someone here today that this has been a really hard week of parenting and you feel like, man, can I just get anything right? I hope this is like a breath of fresh air that you were never designed to parent all by yourself. God designed it that we would be part of it, but that he would carry the lion's share as everlasting father. So how does God parent? Well, he, he parents through his word. Jesus parents us through his word. If I were to ask you about mom or dad, some of you can say, well, my mom always says, my Mom used to say all the time, and you can repeat back phrases that dad says all the time or that dad used to say, and maybe you've reached a point where there was like a moment with your kids and you said what your dad always used to say, and you're like, wow, did I just, I just became my dad. <laughs> well, our heavenly father wants us to know his word also so that just as we can recall what earthly parents used to say to us all the time, we can recall what our heavenly father says to us, what Jesus says to us. Jesus parents us through his word. Now this is so good, okay? Sons and daughters, especially when they're growing up, they live with the human parent or parents, like our four kids, they live with us. But Jesus does something that I can never do for my kids. When we become followers of Christ, we don't just live with God, God actually lives in us. I can never do that for my daughters and my son. When we become followers of Christ, God dwells in us. Some of you are trying to figure out your teenager and you're like, what is going on in their mind? Do you know that while you may be trying to figure it out, their heavenly father, he knows. 
Teenagers, your parents, they want to know. They want to know what's going on. Tell them. They love you. But even when it feels like, man, my parents just won't understand, your heavenly father, he knows you. He knows you. The word even says he knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows if you're sitting or standing. That's what the word says. There are times that we felt, man, I wish my mom were here to tell me what to do. (laughs) I wish my dad were here to tell me what to do. And we thank God for parental wisdom. At the same time, the Holy Spirit lives in us and is ready to be our guide. That moment when we feel like I don't know what to do, our Heavenly Father wants to show us what to do. And that's the direction of the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. And if it's in line with God's word and it's prompted from within us, it's probably the Holy Spirit. It's God's plan that we will not parent without him. He wants to be provider and protector. And the the primary provision that we have through Jesus is restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. Some of us, as dads, we've done things for our children and we thought, I've done something for them that no one else could do. I've done something for my sons and my daughters that no one else would do. I've done something for them that no one else should do. I'm supposed to do it because I'm their dad. I want to be their provider. Well, Jesus provides what no one else can. No one else can provide forgiveness of sin the way that Jesus can. Jesus provided that through his sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection. Jesus is provider. Good moms and dads will do anything to protect their children. Jesus protects his followers like no one else can. Through our faith in Christ, we are protected, we are protected from the consequence of sin, which is separation for eternity from our heavenly father in the torment of hell. Jesus protects us from that. No one else can provide that protection. Through his word and relationship with us, Jesus reveals father as a character of concern, care, and sometimes discipline. Now, we don't have time today to go into the discipline of the Lord but some of you would say there are times in your life when you have been smacked upside the head by God and Proverbs 12 1 says whoever loves discipline loves knowledge but whoever hates correction is stupid I'm just I'm reading the Bible to you (laughs) we spoke in the beginning about a teenager with a difficult relationship with her dad, a relationship that was geographically distant and was emotionally distant and was relationally distant. And this counselor gives this analysis and says, our need for a father never goes away despite the most painful setbacks. Our need for a heavenly father never goes away no matter what we've done to set ourselves back from relationship with him. Our need for our heavenly father never goes away. Some of you would 
say that you are in a later season of life and there's still times you wish that you had mom, you wish that you had dad. Our need for our heavenly father in even greater measure never goes away. Maybe you're here today and you've really found some answers that you've been longing for. You would say that it's like you haven't been able to figure it out. It's like you had really good earthly parents or really strong single parent and you're like, man, what it, what's going on? I had this, this really good childhood yet something is, is missing and it's connecting today because even though you had that good relationship with earthly parents, you never had relationship with your heavenly father and that's what's been missing all this time. That's what's been missing all the time. Here's what's so good. Jesus is everlasting. There are no goodbyes. Some of you have walked through the pain and sadness of sitting alongside the bed of a passing parent. Jesus is everlasting. There's no goodbyes. And, and one of my, my friends between services was sharing about the difficulty, the pain of an absent parent. The Bible I read says that the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. In fact, he is compassionate and caring. Matthew 9:36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is not passive. He says, "Abide in me and I in you." Jesus is reliable. A phrase repeated through the Bible is, the Lord is faithful. Jesus is not selfish. The greatest act of selflessness in history is Jesus leaving heaven to give his life for humanity. And Jesus cares. In 1 Peter chapter 5, cast all your anxieties on him. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Everlasting Father. In our closing moments together, if you're able, may I invite you to stand with us. This is our, our last full Sunday of services for the year and as we close out 2022, I wanna invite you just for a few moments to, if it helps, to close your eyes and have a one-on-one -on -one moment with your heavenly father. Because when we talk about parent relationships, man, it brings up all different kinds of emotions, And I, the Holy Spirit has been moving today. It's like when, when the Bible is preached, it's, there's what is being said from the platform, like you've been hearing what I've been sharing from God's word today. And at the same time, it's like the Holy Spirit is giving you your own personal message that's been paralleling because I don't know your whole story, but, the, but God does. 
and the Holy Spirit does. And so what's been happening today for many in this room, it's like you're hearing the word that's been preached to every person. And yet at the same time, the Holy Spirit has been crafting something that is speaking just directly to your heart. For some in here, it is about relationship with a parent or parents. For some of us, the Lord has been speaking in a powerful way about our role today as moms and dads of younger children, teenagers, college age, young adult, adults, and how you want us as earthly parents to reveal Jesus to our sons and daughters. And for others in this room today, and it could be just for one, but I actually believe it's for many, either here or online. What you have sensed deeply today is that what's been missing is that relationship with your heavenly Father, everlasting Father, Jesus Christ. And if that is your position today, it can all change right now in this very moment. I believe there's someone who's here today and, and you've been coming for a long time and uh, everyone around you would think that you are a Christian or a follower of Christ, but you've not really taken that step of commitment. It's like you, you, you uh, feel moved by what's been happening as you've been part of the church family, but there's something that has held you back from full surrender to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And today is a turning point moment. That today, your heavenly Father is saying, it's time to go past simply enjoying church and it's time to receive my son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. It's time to go past partial surrender and, and full, all-in surrender. Jesus, be Lord of my life. And if that is you today, or in any other way, you would say, I come in here outside of relationship with my heavenly father, then today, right now, is a moment of prayer. It is a moment of surrender, saying, Father in heaven, you can pray this right now. Father in heaven, I receive your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending Jesus with the character, quality of an everlasting father, not an everlasting tyrant, but an everlasting father, one who provides what no one else can provide, one who protects in a way that no one else can protect, one who cares, one who knows, one who actually desires to live inside of my soul. Say, Father, I declare your son Jesus as my savior. I surrender my life to your son Jesus Christ. Whatever I have been holding back, I surrender today. That barrier has been broken down by the move of God in my life today. I want to go from being observer to being all in. 
I declare Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Father, for forgiving my sins through your Son, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the one who in this moment has given their life to your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the way that you've moved in the power of the Holy Spirit through our hearts and our minds today. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.